Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Barely Bookish Podcast. Today, we are going to be finishing up uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with Allison. Hello. Thanks for having me back again. Yeah, it's it's getting juicy. It is juicy. As, as juicy as a fifth grade breathing level can be, you know? <laughs> truly, truly. <laughs> but I love it. Um, I found out uh, during our little break, uh, Nova told me that... She has a lot of answers to the questions I asked in the first episode because they're answered in the rest of the series. So good to know. Good Good to know. Like I've said before, I was only halfway through the second one and I'm like, some of these things have got to come up later. Like, yeah, because they've been mentioned too many times at this point. (laughs) Yeah. A good note is that this, we will be discussing the rest of the series over on the novel nostalgia podcast. Um, later this year so make sure to follow at novel nostalgia pod on instagram and twitter uh i think it's on twitter it's novel nostal pod but i'll put some links in the description so you can find out whenever we cover that and watch me uh react to all of the answers i receive and i'm gonna tune in at least in some capacity so that i can get my questions answered too truly truly So we are on chapter 12, Peter's first battle. So they're taking this journey slower because they're like very weighed down by all of the food and items that Mrs. Beaver is making everybody carry. Good thing they didn't bring that sewing machine, you know? Truly. Those things are like really heavy. Like they're absurdly heavy. I have my sewing machine here and it's in storage and that thing could break a toe. Yeah. Um, my sewing machine is at my mother-in-law's house because we couldn't have it anywhere here. But that thing is so freaking heavy because I have an old singer that grandma and grandma found for me. Grandma and grandpa yeah, found an for me at like a garage sale. Yeah, mine's heavy. Yeah. Does it come with a yeah. case? It's like this big clunky Yeah, it's thing. got a case. Yeah, it looks like a big yep. old briefcase kind of thing. That's what mine looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. actually, I have used it, but at this point, like, I have to oil the entire machine if I want to use it again, and I don't, I live in 742 square feet. Yeah. So it's in I want closet. to use it. Yeah. I want to use it, but, like, I've never had enough space to be able to, like, bust it out, you know? Right. Because, like, my last apartment was, like, 700 square feet, and this one, like, it would have to be in this bedroom, which our two lap, uh, our two computers are here. Like, I don't have enough space. So, because I'm basically kind of confined to the same-ish space, even though we're renting a house with roommates, because I don't want to, like, overflow into the kitchen and living room area, just because it's all common space there. And a sewing machine isn't meant to be, like, packed up at all times, like, or, you know, take it out when you need it kind of thing. It's usually stationed and ready to go. And I don't use mine enough, to be honest, but good thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, I know if I busted it out, I'd have to, like, figure out how to oil it up because I don't know how to do that. So I'd have to probably call grandma and be like, hey. Oh, all the little spots are marked where you're supposed to oil it. It's not too Oh, okay. Yeah, but, I mean, if it needs to be serviced, that's a whole other realm. Yeah. Anyways, they didn't bring the sewing machine. Good plan. It'd probably get broken if they brought it, so... So I can't imagine going on a hike. Well, they'd be—they're like hiking, basically, you know. Yeah. So I feel like it's a terrible idea to bring the sewing machine. I think it'd be so heavy. I know it's like meant to be yeah. funny, but 
man. I would not, you cannot catch yeah. me carrying my sewing machine farther than the storage closet to, to the table. <laughs> yeah. But they make you to the stone table. It's a beautiful sight. The beach is in the background. They're like, wow, this is a great place. Um, we also have C.S. Lewis changing the names of dryads and naiads to tree woman and well woman. Which is... Oh, does it? Yeah. Because he makes like a whole note where he's like on in the human or on the earth realm or something like that to that nature. He's like, we would call these dryads and naiads. I'm like, why change it then? Oh, I don't even... I miss that. I just think his notes are funny. I know, I like his little like side notes on this. Yeah. Parentheses. Wow, I cannot speak today. Great day to be on a podcast. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're making it work. <laughs> so they're like sitting on the edge of the clearing, very terrified to talk to Aslan. But finally, Peter decides to lead the way. And he like busts out his sword. And I'm like, dude, that kind of looks like a threat. Like if you unsheathe your sword and you just walk forward, like most kings would not be like, oh yeah, approach. Come closer. Yeah. Yeah, he's on a power trip still, though, I'm pretty sure, so. Yeah. And then uh, Aslan greets everybody by name. In this, though, he greets he beaver and she beaver. So there either is no other beavers or these beavers just don't believe in having first names. Or their first name is he. And she. <laughs> she. Maybe. But it's just, it makes me laugh because I'm like, we don't meet any other beavers. Like, every other creature in this world is, like, part of a creature except the two beavers. They're just Mr. Beaver and Mrs. Beaver. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't put that together either. Yeah. But it's like, we have Mr. Tumnus, the fawn. You know? Oh my god. All the wolves. You know, multiple squirrels, and then just Mr. Beaver and Mrs. Beaver. Yeah, and there's, uh, aren't there cheetahs too, or did I? Leopards. Leopards, yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy so. world out in Narnia. Truly. So then Asland sends the girls away and, like, shows Peter where he's going to be king. Which is a choice. And then he says, <laughs> Peter, since you're the firstborn, you get to be high king over all your siblings. Like, if there's four thrones, can't they just, like, rule together? Like, do we really have to have a high king? Well, I mean, you need a line of succession. I guess, but I'm like... Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's, We're just trying to be prepared, I suppose. I guess. I'm like, just make it work. I don't know. Rock, paper, scissors. Hey, they're just going. Maybe it should just be like, should just be like first grandkid gets to be ruler. But that that's still birth order. I don't know because they need four of them though. Like four humans have to sit on the throne. Look, man, don't mess with the prophecy. Yeah. All right. Never mind. We'll just we'll bypass that. I don't know how that works. (laughs) I I don't know if any of them you get to have kids. I don't know how this is. But, um... 
So everybody's chilling, meeting Aslan, and then they're suddenly under attack by wolves. Just out the blue. Good but, thing I he mean, pulled he that sword out, man. Good thing. Yeah, I guess. Like, he didn't have it stowed in his bag somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we have um, Peter kills the wolf that was trying to uh, get to Susan, who had climbed up into a tree and seemed like she was about to faint. Even though she totally had a bow and arrow that she could have used, but, you know. But the prince had to win his spurs. Yeah. Like, apparently. So, kills the wolf. Then Aslan sends everyone except the humans to go chase the wolves. And then he reminds Peter to always wipe his sword after he kills the wolf. And Susan's fainting during this whole thing, by the way. Yeah. Or or that she's, like, fighting off fainting. I don't think she completely faints. Yeah, she, he said that she, like, looks like she's about to faint. And I'm like, come on. Like, I get this is, like, a stressful time, but please get it together. I mean, at least they don't make it so that Peter is just all of a sudden super brave and whatever. Like, he's terrified, so. At least yeah. there's some humility there. Yeah. I just think it's funny that, like, he has to then be given a note about why you beat your sword clean. Yeah, I don't really... Maybe this is some sort of... When you talk with Nova, all these questions will be answered. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's a rust situation, though. Like, if you don't clean your sword, it rusts, right? Yeah, but this was given to him from Santa. Do you think that blade rusts? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. That's what I would expect from Santa. I want the best. Yeah. Stainless (laughs) steel only. Like uh, like the goblin blade in Harry Potter. Yep. One of these days, I'll stop bringing up Harry Potter into every episode, but it's fine. Works fine most of the time. So then we are on to chapter thirteen, deep magic from the dawn of time. So we're back with Edmund, and the witch is saying something about three thrones instead of four, and then I realize the way she's saying this is because she's planning to now kill Edmund (laughs) before they can take him back, and then the prophecy can't be fulfilled because there'll only be three of them. Yep. And I'm like, go off, I guess. Yep. Edmund is really questioning his decisions now. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh man, I'm going to die. This is not part of my plan. I just have to constantly remind myself that he's a child. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just... It's really easy to forget, I think. Yeah, and I mean, it's written very much for a child. But, man. Edmund. Did you really think? Yeah. Obviously, like we said before, the Turkish delight is bewitched. And he's, he's under some yeah. sort of, like... Spell temptation, yeah. So, but still, get it together, guy. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. So the other wolf reports back to the witch, and tells, and she tells him to run and summon all of their people. They list out like a ton of different species. What are boggles? Write them all down. What are boggles? That's one. Of I the don't know. Ghouls, boggles, like ogres, and the minotaurs. Yeah. Oh, the hags. The specters. 
I don't know what some of these things are. And the people of the toadstools, which I want those to be in the movie. Yeah. I'm picturing Toad I know that from <laughs> Mario. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I know specters are like ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is what is a boggle? Let's look it up. I don't know what that is. I know a hag is a witch. Clearly. Okay, what is a boggle? Boggle is... Okay, I clearly need to be a little bit more... <laughs> Mythical. Mythology, maybe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's a ghost or folk folkloric being. Mm. Okay. So ghost and more ghost and then another type of ghost. Kind of. I guess it's just, it's a Scottish term. Oh. Oh, I guess this, oh, it kind of goes along with what in English folklore is a boggart. Mm. Which is, that makes sense. Which we know from Harry Potter. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm seeing Boggle and Boggart being like, it seems like it's interchangeable, interchangeable. but it looks like okay. Boggle is more, this has a Scots term, so I would assume that means Scottish. Okay. Um, yeah, a terrifying, terrifying ghost or phantom. Okay. There you go. Now we know. Yeah, so she she gets all the ghosts. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Where are the people in the toadstools, though? Literally, that's what I want to know what that is. It's just, that's it's just Toad. Yeah. Toad from Mario Come Kart. On, Mario! <laughs> does Toad even talk? <laughs> in the Mario movie, he does. I haven't seen that. I heard it was very good. It's so good. It's very good. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I heard everybody was, like, <laughs> disappointed in how much they liked it. Yeah. I thought it was going to be awful. That's they didn't have, like, though. anybody that was... Well, they didn't really have any real voice actors. Like, they just had big names. So I was like, this is going to be terrible because nobody's going to care about it. Except Jack Black. Jack Black puts his whole heart into everything he does, I feel like. Who does so, he play? Who does Jack Black play? Bowser. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. A lot that's of people were ticked like, about Chris Pratt. Yeah, I thought I was going to be... I was ticked until I saw it. And I'm like, fine. This is fine. Everybody's like, like he, he is not an job. Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they bind Edmund to a tree. And they're like, this is fine. And I thought they were going to leave him there. No. She turns to the dwarf and it's like, prepare him. And I'm like, what do you mean prepare him? Prepare him for what? Like, what are you what are you about to do? And then she hear he hears a knife being sharpened, and I'm like, oh my god. And then the dwarf like breaks his like collar to like expose his neck. I'm like, she is about to slit his throat. Oh my god. No, I was like, whoa, this went. Yeah. 180. We are on Truly. page 73 in my copy anyway, and um, yeah. of 107 or something. And yeah. We're just, all of a sudden, it is not a children's book. <laughs> Literally. So then, like, uproar, upheaval happens. They, find, they save Edmund. 
Thank goodness. And but the witch say, gets give away. Give him some wine. Give him some wine. He'll yep. be okay. And he like passes out. And then everybody carries Edmund away. They realize the witch must have got away. And then C.S. Lewis does this whole thing where she's like, where he's like, oh, so if they would have stayed a little longer, they would have solved that boulder and that stump. We're like talking to each other. Um, and yeah, that's actually the witch and the dwarf. So I don't know why I thought that was so funny. Yeah. I, I, I just thought I about it of... and I, I was thinking about that part in like Toy Story 2 when they're underneath the little cones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm just imagining, like, out the blue, a stump and a boulder appear and nobody questions anything. And they, like, having little cartoon eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was such a funny visual. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, Asland and Emmett... Edmund are walking and we don't get to hear their conversation because C.S. Lewis did not want to write it, which is fine. I respect that um, so much from him, dude. We just get to the point. I'm, yeah, it's whatever. Like, I'm imagining that parents read chapter by chapter at night to their kids. And like, if they had to have like this whole long drawn out story about forgiveness for a little too long, like the kid's going to get too invested. The parents are not going to get the kid to sleep. Like, but I, I respect. I it. also think it's kind of a nice little life lesson too. Like we're looking at it from the perspective of all the nitty gritty doesn't matter at this point. He's back, and we don't need to talk about it beyond that. Like yeah, he's sorry, and we forgive yeah. and move on. So yeah, it's and then smart that way too. I like that Aslan's like, don't pressure him about our conversation. Let that stay between us. Um, don't worry about it, and let's move on. And they're just a like respect, you know. <laughs> yeah. So Edmund apologizes to every one of his siblings. And then immediately after this, uh, the dwarf rolls rolls up and he's like, my queen would like to have a conversation with you, you know, with no, like with just us, like just the two of you. And then Aslan's like, fine. But uh, to do that, you're going to have to leave. uh, She's going to have to leave her wand at like an oak tree. I don't want her like coming in here and turning everybody to stone. Fair. Oh, but the a- Aslan does call the dwarf son of the earth, so I was pleased. Oh, good. I'm. Oh, yes, I see it. Yeah. You were so, so upset about it's... that. So now are you better? Um, a little. It's still not like a <laughs> ancestral name, but like, I'll allow it for now. I kind of hope that these it end up building on each other and they get a little bit beefier but i love this as just a story for kids it's sweet yeah i do like that this is like it doesn't have a cliffhanger at the end so like again i'm imagining like parents reading this to kids like they're the kid is not going to be begging for the next book immediately you know what i mean or like they it could, nice rounded out yeah and then they'd be satisfied with what they heard then and mm-hmm. if they want to know another adventure you go on another adventure read the next one. Yeah. Because I feel like each chapter doesn't really end on a cliffhanger. Like, it's just a part of the story. And, like, when it ends, you're comfortable with where you're at until the next chapter. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that a lot. Where it's not like, in the and then they saw battle. End chapter. Yep. Yeah. It's not, it's not too bad. I think it is, it's, it's constructed well for the purposes of 
a young child reading a chapter book. This has got to be like one of yeah. your early chapter book series that you could get into. And they're, each one is so short that it's manageable. Yeah. So then the witch is approved safe passage on this condition. Um, and she shows up like five minutes later after he sends the two leopards to make sure she actually puts the wand down before coming back, which is good. So then the witch and Asland are meeting in front of everyone and Mrs. Beaver notices that the witch will not look him in the eyes, which is a respectable choice. <laughs> yeah. A respectable little detail. But that's because she is Satan. Yep. So then the witch says that Edmund is a traitor against Aslan. Um, Aslan's like, yeah, I don't care. Well, and, then, she and asks, then there's an important line where he says, Edmund had got past thinking about himself after all he'd been through. And after the talk he mm-hmm. had that morning, he went on looking at Aslan. It didn't seem to yeah. matter what the witch said. And I was like, growth, preach. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So the witch says, um, she asks Aslan if he has forgotten the deep magic. And he's like, why don't you just tell me anyways? Which is a nice way to get it so that we, uh, as a reader, get to find out what the deep magic is. Well, and this is the point where I think we can finally mention that the stone table, because she says it's it's written on the stone table. Um mm-hmm. So the stone table is actually supposed to represent the Ten Commandments, like Old Testament, old magic. Mm -hmm. And the breaking of the stone is like going into the New Testament, Mm. which we get into later. But I think this is the point where we can finally mention that because before it was just kind of like alluded to. Mm -hmm. What's that Monty Python movie where he drops the the Twelve Commandments and he's like, "Um, I mean, the Ten Commandments. Oh, um... Do you know what I'm talking about? God, I can't remember. It's one of the Monty Python movies. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. It's something like My Brother Something. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. We could look it up sometime. It's fine. But that's what I think about anytime someone talks about the Ten Commandments is that single scene from Monty Python. Gosh, now I kind of want to know. Oh, it's not. It's not that. No, it's not Monty Python. It's that Mel Brooks oh. movie, History of the World. I actually just mm-hmm. watched this. I don't think I finished it. Um, I'm glad we uh, fixed that because uh, I feel like I would have gotten some messages. I think. <laughs> Which is fine. But Is that the. Yes, because he breaks the third one and then he ends up with just ten. Because it's 15 before. Yeah. yeah, I actually just watched that. My um, my in-laws were in town. And they put it on and they were like, oh, this is a lot more. Um... I mean, it's Mel Brooks, so you kind of know what to expect. But they were like, wow, this is a little bit more raunchy and like not PC <laughs> than I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think yep. they ended up finishing it, but it just is. I don't know. It's funny, though. Not because it was too mm-hmm. raunchy or something. I think we were. I don't know. We just didn't end up finishing it. But yes, that's what that's from. I was going to say, I was like, is it Monty okay. Python? But I don't know why I thought it was Monty Python, to No, be honest, I totally believed you for a second. I think that because Monty Python does go into the Bible a decent bit, but... Yeah. So, 
Watch everybody be like, she's probably fine. <laughs> so one of us has to be correct here. I don't know. One of us. I'm thinking, I think it's history of the world. I think it's. Not that worse. feels right. So I'm going to choose to believe you. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let us know if we're wrong. Yeah. I'm always willing to yeah. hear if I'm wrong. <laughs> it's fine. If someone tweets me that I'm wrong, I will announce it for everybody so that we all know the right movie. Um, but then the queen, like, kind of fills us in about how she gets to kill every traitor and they all belong to her and how, and then Mr. Beaver calls her the emperor's hangman. So we find out the emperor who has been here since time itself is basically God. Right. Cause it isn't, don't they call him like emperor of the sea? Or something. Maybe that's in the next book. No. Maybe I'm messing it up. Yeah, Emperor Beyond the Sea. They just, yeah. Because that's who Aslan, like, quote, answers to. Yeah. So, then the witch says that unless she has at, uh, Edmund, that all of Narnia will perish in fire and water, according to the deep magic. Which, like, being perished in fire and water is so contradictory, but, like, go off, queen. Yeah, I don't really know what that means. Don't know but how that works. Maybe that's yeah. something I'm just a concept I'm not familiar with. Yeah. I thought about like, that. Is it too. like supposed to be like a Noah's Ark reference? Hmm. I don't know. Let's see. Perish in fire. <laughs> and water, Bible. Everyone's gonna be like, did she know anything about this book before she asked her to come on? It's fine. I, you have to remember, I feel like I doubt most of my audience is Christian, so it's fine. I can't tell if it's just... I think it's alluding to the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I'm not seeing the exact... I would have to do a deeper search. Just like my quick search here, it looks like it's alluding to the Bible. Just pull up the Bible. Control F. Fire. <laughs> Control F. I mean, I think water. it's like throughout the Bible, they talk about perishing in fire and... Um, brimstone and stuff like that yeah it's fine if it's important somebody will let us know bible.com hang on there you go there is a verse in peter that says then he used water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood like what you were talking about Mm -hmm. and by the same word Mm -hmm. the present heavens and earth would or the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire they are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people would be destroyed. Okay. This is from the book of Peter. In the New Living... That was from the New Living Translation of the Bible. That's just the first one that popped mm. up. Um, yeah. So, it would be alluding to that. If I had yeah. to guess. So there you go. So there you go. There you go. So then Aslan tells everybody to leave so that he can talk to the witch alone. Which he loves to do that. I guess. He likes to talk to people alone. Which is fine. He's got some private conversations to be had. Yeah. So this is an A-B conversation. Mm -hmm. See your way out of it. (laughs) So then Aslan calls everyone back and says that she has renounced her claim on Edmund's blood. And I'm like, oh, okay, we're going to get the die for our sins moment here. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
So whatever their agreement is, the witch asks how she'll know he will keep his promise. And then he roars at her and she sprints out of there. And I would also sprint out of there. Fairly ran for her life, which I thought was a very funny visual. Yeah. So then we are on to chapter 14, the triumph of the witch. Aslan says that they're moving camp to the fords of Bruna. Bruna. I do think that those come up again because they get alluded to in the next book as some sort of battle. But I haven't read that part yet. And I'm not very, like I've said, I'm not very far in this entire series. So I think that comes up again. So Aslan is giving Peter all of his plans and Peter's like, dude, are you not going to be there? Like, what's going on? And Aslan's like, may or may not. Uncertain at this point. (laughs) I don't know how the rest of them don't put this together for some reason. Literally. Like, I mean, I'm assuming these kids growing up in what seems like early 1900s England are probably Christian. I would assume so. I would assume they're Christian. So, like, would you not also assume that they would be a little familiar with the dying for our sins kind of thing, or... Well, I mean, you have to think about all their behaviors are supposed to be, like, for each child, are supposed to be Mm -hmm. a reflection of their faith, right? Like, Narnia and Aslan are all you know, symbols of heaven and Jesus and the way that they approach that situation is supposed to be reflective of their stance in their faith. Mm -hmm. So it's changing. Like Susan is always so like, maybe we should leave. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And Peter's high and mighty. And Lucy is just a pure believer. And Edmund just makes mistakes. (laughs) At least in this this novel. Yeah. This story. Yeah. So then Aslan's like a seaman real sad. He's trying to make camp. Um, and he's like makes camp kind of out in the open. And Peter's like, shouldn't we like go into the woods so she doesn't find us? And he's like, oh, she's not going to find us tonight. I'm like, buddy, why are you not like questioning anything? Like he probably just doesn't want. Okay. He probably just doesn't want to believe it, right? You're probably just. I don't know. Hoping to stay in blissful ignorance and in denial, I would think. I don't know. Who knows? So then Lucy and Susan are starting to like when they go to bed, start having like this terrible feeling about Aslan. So they're like, let's just go check on him, see if he's okay. Um. And they find him walking out of the woods in the middle of the night. And they're like, huh. So they start following him until they get to a point where they can't like hide in the trees anymore. And Aslan spots them. And he's like, hey, what's up? What y'all doing? And they're like, we're just trying to check on you and make sure you're doing okay. And he's like, okay, well, you can walk with me. But there's a point where I'm going to tell you to turn back and like, not continue and at that point you're gonna have to listen to me so definitely reflective of the bible in this moment with praying up on yeah 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 being there with him because like he was talking about like how it seemed like there's a big weight on his shoulders and i'm like well i know what this is about and then how he trips because doesn't like jesus trip 
Jesus while falls. The cross. Yeah, Jesus falls while carrying the cross. Yeah. yeah. So I was Multiple like, well, times there we go. Yeah. Yep. So some, I'm some clear symbolism much, there. <laughs> yeah. I'm shocked how much of my knowledge of like having to go to church as a kid has been like remembered. I mean, you know? if there's anything you should remember, though, it would be the Stations of the Cross or just the story of the Passion as a whole, just because that's like one of the biggest things of the Christian yeah. faith. So, you know, that should be the thing that sticks with you. Probably the most repetitive thing. <laughs> Plus, if you've ever been to a Palm Sunday Mass, I'm Catholic mm -hmm. and Catholics go through the entire Passion. Mm -hmm. and have to say the part when they're like crucify him like the whole church says that part you basically like read out the script so it's hard to forget yeah. that <laughs> fair but yeah Aslan says that he's like super sad and lonely and asks them to put their hands on his mane for good vibes for good vibes oh my gosh can you imagine <laughs> if that was the wording in the book <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I my notes. I always I tend to read them verbatim, and I forget what I write sometimes. So that was a clear example of that. Is that it's just exactly what I wrote? Yeah. Um, but the girls were like very pumped about this because they really wanted to like touch his mane anyways. The whole time they just thought it was rude. <laughs> I know they're secretly kind of excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's so funny because, like, I don't know, as someone with, like, kind of wavy hair, people always, like, crave to touch my hair. And I despise when people touch my hair. Like, it, like, gives me the ick. No one wants to touch my hair. Maybe that says something about me. Yeah, <laughs> just, just kidding. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why people, like, want to touch other people's hair. Like, I, I despise it. So much. I wouldn't mind, like, if somebody, like, brushes my hair. Mm, you don't like somebody mm -hmm. brushing your hair? I hate when people, like, even get near my hair. Interesting. Hey, teach. I have, like, a hard time. Like, I, I like when somebody else, like, when Caitlin does my hair. But I hate my feeling of someone doing my hair. Like, I know it's going to look good, so it's worth it to sit through it. And that's why I'll ask her to do it sometimes. But, like, I... I'm actively repulsed by the feeling of someone touching my hair. See, I love like when someone braids my hair or something or like, obviously like, a, like, I keep saying, see, I said that word again. Like when somebody pushes back your hair mm. or something. Mm -mm. I don't know. Mm -mm. Teach their own though. Uh, the girls make it there with Aslan and he's like, all right, you guys got to hide now and don't come out. And he goes up to the stone table with the witch and all of her groupies. Her groupies? And <laughs> <laughs> Why did I never think about it that way? That's funny. I mean, this is pretty much what's going on, to be honest. Yeah. But they drag Aslan to the stone table and she demands that he is shaved, that, uh, like, basically they muzzle him, they beat him a bunch, and then they, like, chain him to the table Oh, and then, then they say, sorry, I want to interrupt you, but there was, um, there's a quote in here that I thought was just another precious C.S. Lewis moment, but, mm -hmm. um, 
Other creatures whom I won't describe, because if I did, the grown-ups probably would not let you read this book. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, it's so yeah, pure. Let's just find out that yeah. C.S. Lewis is like a real jerk or something. I don't know. I don't know enough about him to know Me if either. he is or not. Me either, but I'm watching. So, I hope not. I hope he is as pure as I think he is, because I, yeah. I kind of love him. I'm just, I'm so terrified, like, sometimes just not knowing things, uh, to, like, do, like, a whole recording, and then later being like, ah, crap. I know, well, you gotta just leave some room for, I may be wrong, but I hope he is as sweet as I think he is in my head. Yeah. Or was, I should say was. Which, like, feel free to tell me if he's not, it's fine, like, I'm an adult, I'll just... Hey, it's not your fault if somebody that (laughs) used to be alive used to be a jerk. (laughs) Secret terrible person. But I hope not, because I love the way he talks. It's so precious. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like, I know that technically at this point, Harry Potter is a bit of a modern classic, but I will never cover it on this podcast because J.K. Rowling sucks. So, you know. You see, and that's one of those things that it's like, when when she wrote the books, I hope she wasn't that. I don't know. You just you never know. People change too. Yeah, but there are some some elements of the story that have been pointed out since, and you're like, oh, yeah, that is kind of bad. But like when you read them when you're a kid, yeah. you're like, you know, whatever. I mean, it's still one of my favorite series. Probably, yeah, probably my favorite series just because it's so nostalgic and it just makes me so happy. I don't know. I love that series. Yeah. Clearly, I bring it up a lot, so. I know. <laughs> it's just never going to be something I'll cover on here just because of how she is now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally understand that. So, fun fact. Apparently, C.S. Lewis gave away all of the royalties from his books. Really? Yeah. Okay. He said he set up a charitable trust to give away whatever money he received from all of his books. Cute. Well, um, and a lot of, that would explain why there's they're readily available for schools. Uh, the witch says that um, he has given his life for Edmonds now uh, that he's gone, and then he like whis- she whispers to Aslan that now that he's gone and out of the way, she's still gonna kill Edmund, and he can't stop her, and then kills him or uh, kills Aslan. I yeah, it was so sad, and I also think like the the shaving and the beating and all that is supposed to be mm-hmm. a, um, indicative of passion as well. But when mm-hmm. I watched like like I said before, I had just recently watched the movie before I read this, and when I watched the movie, I was like, I gasped. I forgot they shaved him and beat yeah. him, and I don't know why I wasn't expecting that. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is a children's movie. Like I just I don't know. It wasn't yeah. that brutal, and they don't show it really in the mm-hmm. thing. Um, We'll talk about it when the movie, when we do the movie, but I was like, oh my goodness. And then she says that to him in, in here and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, this is the first chapter where I'm like, yeah, you couldn't have just ended it there. Like you'd have to be like, all right, play the next episode. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And I feel like the, the movie kind of just like, well, I mean, the movie shows quite a bit too, but I think you just yeah. get so... I got put in this mindset it's for a child and then when things like this happen I'm like oh my goodness like yeah should it be like that but you know what that's how you make the story a little bit more gritty and feeling and powerful for a child so 
As long as it's not too yeah. descriptive for that age group, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Then we are on to chapter 15, Deeper Magic from Before the Dawn of Time. It's a very long chapter name, So, by the way. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, the witch is coming for everybody else. No idea why Aslan thought that she would hold up to her end of the bargain. Like, she immediately turns around and is like, all right, let's go kill everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't know what child's mindset I was in, but, like, I was kind of like, oh, my goodness, she's so mean. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she was going to do that. She's the devil. But. Or represents the devil. But for some reason, I was still kind of like, oh, my goodness. Heartless. Literally the worst. I'm okay with still being and then shook up about evil, you know? <laughs> shook up. That's not a word. Yeah. Uh, what? I guess it is. Shook. Shaken up. up. Shaken up. Shaken up. There Wait. You go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> shook is... So I was shook. Shook is past tense. Yeah, there you go. Shaken up, I feel like. I feel like it's shaken up. I don't, I don't know. I feel like either are correct. Yeah, we gotta look it up and then I'll say the right thing. Because it's like, you were shook. Yeah, but shook is like... Is shook like slang for shocked? Okay, shaken is past participle, so I would have been... Okay. I would have been shaken up. I would have been shaken. Shaken. Okay. I guess shook must be just like slang then. Shook is just like the past tense of he shook my hand. Okay. That's Yeah, it's like slang for people who are saying that, you okay. know. Like no. surprised? Right. But I'm, I was just saying yeah. that like, so we'll say it this way. It shook me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was just in this, like, innocent mindset when I read the book. And then, and I knew it was coming, but I still was just kind of like, oh, gosh, that's so sad. Yeah. But that's the point. It's to make you understand the power of the message. Yep. So, when the army left, the girls run up to Aslan, take the muzzle off, and they, like, start kissing and hugging his dead body. I'm like, that's kind of gross. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, he just little... died. He just died. He's not know, like rotting like... in a sewer. Yeah, but like, there's blood all over him. No, we don't know that, do we? Oh, I mean, yes, they she wiped like away slit the his throat. They wiped away the blood. You're yeah, right. yeah. Like, it's a dead body. I don't know. I just feel like that's kind of gross. But yeah, but he's supposed to represent Jesus, so they can love him. He just I'm died saying, this morning. Yeah. Fair enough, but like, <laughs> fair <ew>. enough. <laughs> so then, like, out the blue, these mice crawl up Aslan's body, and my brain, my first brain thought was, um, that's like really fast decomposition, but you know, that's not what's happening. <laughs> I know, I, I just watched the movie, just like I said, and I still forgot about the mice, and I was, like, yeah, oh, gross. And then I was like, oh, never mind. It's for some reason yeah. it still got me. I missed it apparently the first time in the movie. But the mice go and untie him. Um, and then like the sun 
rises up. The two girls are pacing around, which I was like, why are you still there? Like, shouldn't you go warn everybody, you know, that like the witch is coming after them? Would that not be the play? Well, and, and then there's a little sad line about them crying all night with him, too. And then yeah. he has the thing of, like, I hope no one who reads this book has been quite as miserable as Susan and Lucy were that night. I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sad. It has, like, the, the line keeps going and it's kind of sweet, but. Oh. I, I wonder at what point he wrote that. Like, it was pre losing his wife or after? Well, it's... she. <laughs> Let me tell you. She died in 1960, so she was still alive. He wasn't even married okay. yet. Oh. I mean, I know, like, honestly, most people deal with loss pretty early on, you know? So I feel like you kind of know, like, enough that, like, after you, like, ball your eyes out and there's no more tears, there's just, like, that weird quiet, which he describes. Right, that's that's. And I think that's that a really line. nice touch. Oh, yeah. yeah, I just thought it was such a sweet thing, like, for a young kid to read about grief in a pretty simple, mm-hmm. plain, but thoughtful way. Yeah. So then, um, they're, like, doing laps around this area, and out of the blue, when the sun rises, there's a giant crack behind them. They turn around, Aslan's body's gone, the stone table's in two pieces on the ground, and then they're, like, what and then they turn back around towards the sunset aslan's just standing there looking beautiful and perfect hey this and is, my note that is, is alluding to that new testament christ coming back yeah. yeah yeah all i can imagine is like the priest when i was growing up being like he has risen yeah pretty much i mean I it's that dramatic yeah here yeah i want to know what is the voice that you picture for Aslan, do you remember what he sounds like in the movie or do you have a different voice in your head? Um, I don't know what movie Morgan Freeman was God, but it's Bruce it's Almighty. Morgan Bruce Almighty. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so good if his voice was Morgan Freeman. It's always Morgan Freeman. Uh, Whenever the choice there's is a so God good. role. In the movie, the choice is Yeah. Good. Do you want to I know? don't remember his voice at all. Do you want to know? To be honest. I mean, I'm going to find out tomorrow, so. True. That one's a good choice. I feel like I feel like I I wanted to be like Dwayne Johnson, but then he's too much like Maui. Then it's I I have a hard time with I love The Rock, but he's always just The Rock. You know what I mean? And everything he's in can't really. Yeah, I kind of just want to see him and like that'd be kind of funny. Or if it was something just a little bit more unpredictable. Hmm. Do you want him to be like kind of unhinged? Like not like the not like a deep grizzly voice, so get something different. That would have been just kind of an interesting. Oh my god, what if it was Vin Diesel? What if it was Vin Diesel? <laughs> Talking about family. <laughs> <laughs> Vin Diesel needs to be in more movies, to be honest. I'm obsessed with him. Dude, he's but he's kind of got that grizzly voice, too. I'm talking about doing something a little yeah. bit more... Soft. Yeah, something. Yeah. Like Tom Hiddleston or something. Ooh. That'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I would love Todd Hiddleston. Tom. Tom. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I would love 
Tom Hiddleston to like do a series of like bedtime stories because I feel like he just has like such a beautiful calming voice that and um Gwendolyn Christie her voice I don't know her voice oh um she is have you did you see how much of Game of Thrones did you see I did not much? very far I got through okay like the first couple seasons maybe I don't know if I finished season two yeah. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. She's in a lot of like fantasy stuff. Um, Did you watch The Sandman on Netflix? I did. Yes. She plays Lucifer. The blonde lady. Oh, oh, she's, yes, she's in Game of Thrones. The very tall. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. You, I mean, you just said she was in Game of Thrones, but now I like am making the connection. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love her voice. Um, yeah, she's. I want, I want her to read me audiobooks. I think that Tom Hiddleston does something for that Calm app or something, or like one of those things Mm. where he reads like. I I swear I saw something where he was like reading Winnie the Pooh. Oh my god! I yeah. Maybe I'm mixing this up. I'm always looking. Maybe I know she has read some um, books on Audible. Because you can, like, search by voice actors on there, Mm -hmm. I found out. So, I know she's got some. And I'm willing to, like, get those. Yes, Tom Hiddleston has drift off off to sleep while Tom Hiddleston reads you Winnie the Pooh. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) So pure. (laughs) His voice is is so calming and, like, yeah, no, that'd be good. That would be a good choice. I think that would be really good. Yeah. We'll have to, when we do the movie, we should just pick out our dream mental cast and then we'll talk yeah, about Yeah, our fan cast. Yeah, fan cast. And then we will compare it to the real deal. But that would be interesting. Yeah. Okay, back back to where we were. I just had to know what you were back picturing to- his voice. I don't know. I, I feel like it's important for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's all. It's usually, if it's going to be God, it's always Morgan Freeman. That is a fair, fair choice. He plays a great god. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. I just, it's always that all-white room in his all-white outfit. (laughs) Morgan Freeman's still alive, right? Yes. Okay, good. All right. I wasn't prepared if you said no. I'm going to be so real. God, whenever somebody does something like this, though, like, I'm like, I better check. I'm constantly fact-checking myself. Um, it's fine. That'd be so sad. Helps the pod. I, he's definitely still alive. Yeah, we're gonna cry really quick if we find out he's actually dead. For some reason, after Aslan comes back to life, he decides to like play and chase the girls around, which is again a choice. <laughs> Truly. Well, and then there was a thing about that when they finally all lay together in the sun, the girls no longer felt in the least tired or hungry or thirsty, and that is. Definitely a biblical reference of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Satiating, being the bread of life kind of thing. Yeah. Important. I got to get some of the symbolism in here. Otherwise, people are going to think I have no idea what any of this <laughs> book means. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. It's, I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. You're, no, you're noticing more than I obviously would. 
Okay, that's what I'm here for. Just to point out some some things that we might be missing. And then you'll get to learn more as you get further in the series and learn more from others. Yeah. So then he has the girls on his back so that he can run faster. And then they're off after playing around for a minute. Which, like, I guess when you come back to life, that's something you should probably do. But I still think it's kind of funny. Riding on the back of a lion. What a vibe. What a honestly. vibe, but also, how fast can lions run? That would be, um... He's a magical lion. It's fine. That'd be pretty uncomfortable, I feel like. Yeah, like, I don't... They're not as fast as cheetahs, so they're definitely... But I feel like they're probably at, like, 50 miles an hour. <laughs> you know cheetahs are, mean. like, top speed, 77. Okay, 50 miles an but hour. They could... I was right? Is that what you said? Yeah. So a cheetah can go from 50 to 80. A lion's max speed in short bursts would be 50 miles an hour. And he's... I mean, he's covering a a lot of ground. He's a male, so he can probably do the long. I don't know. No, the females are the hunters, remember? Oh, so can they run better? males were lazy. Oh, who's faster? A lioness or a lion? Oh, you're right. Lionesses are more agile. My mistake. Yeah, the males are lazy. They don't do shit. I watched the whole thing on Lions once, and they have a very interesting day-to-day life. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, they are a magical lion. But I'm just thinking, like, so when I had a moped in college, um, (laughs) (laughs) this is what I'm comparing riding a lion to. Yeah. Um, that thing could, that thing could hit 45, but it was kind of a struggle and that was fast. Yeah. Honestly. I don't have a motorcycle, so this is what I'm going (laughs) to, this is what I'm going to compare it to is my college moped days. Good time. I have a, I have a scooter, like an electric scooter. Oh, right. And I think technically you can hit like 30 and I went like 25 on it once and it was freaking terrifying, but I also don't have a seat. So. Yeah, that, that makes it a lot more stressful. I mean, the yeah. if you do anything, so if you ride on a moped and mm-hmm. um, you have nothing to block your face, when it's raining yeah. or something and you're going 45, that hurts. Yeah. Like the rain hurts your face. All these people that have motorcycles are like, yeah, I know. But, um, <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> but like that's my only experience I have to draw on with this. And I'm like, dang, two people, someone's riding bitch too. I don't like that expression, yeah. but, you know, like someone's on the back and, yeah. um, I don't know. That can't be comfortable, but you're right. He is a magical lion. So I think that all base of knowledge just gets thrown out. Well, I've also heard people refer to it as a backpacking or their backpack as like their second riders, their backpack. And I think that's a lot cuter. That's a lot cuter. Yeah. Let's just pretend I didn't say that. That's the only way I've ever heard it, but I like the way you said it a lot better. but yeah no i feel like this is just not comfortable and not good setup um but magical lion so magical lion maybe they have like saddles and magical when you're riding a magical lion i don't know i mean that would be still kind of cool be kind of cool but also kind of terrifying there's just no way it's comfortable that's all i gotta say but there's also like no prep like they've never ridden anything as far as we know before 
and they just are going straight to magical line going probably 80 miles per hour well and then okay so he describes it as noiseless padding of the paws and Mm -hmm. the rough the soft roughness of golden fur and then imagine going twice as fast as the fastest racehorse so what's the fastest racehorse (laughs) (laughs) It's also like, what are they holding on to? His hair? His mane? I think so. Like, that kind of hurt. That's also, like, not a good grip, I feel like. Okay, so racehorses are generally trained to reach speeds up to 40 to 45 miles an hour. So if you figure... So the fastest... They're going, like, 100. Secretariat was the fastest race horse ever. Mm -hmm. How fast was Secretariat? held an average speed of 37.8 miles an hour, but I don't know about. So we're going to just generously assume that they're going like 80 miles an hour. Yeah, that would be like the safe bet. So imagine me on my little moped going 45, thinking that was wild and then just doubling it. No helmet. (laughs) Only only hair to hold on to. Yeah, no. They're like raw dogging life right now. <laughs> they basically put these two little kids on a motorcycle and said, figure it out. Hold on. Hope. And he's like jumping over bushes and stuff. Holy cow. This is extreme. Yeah. yeah. This could be a ride at Universal. Why isn't it? Well, it's Disney. So I don't know. It would have to be Disney. Oh. Well, Disney doesn't really do the, those kinds of extra rides. Like, I feel like the most extra ride at Disney is Space Mountain. Um, have you ever been on the teacup ride? I mean, you write, you write. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what's so fun is the Buzz Lightyear one, but that's a different story for a different time. Yeah, I don't really. Oh, I do remember that. I did think about you it. Yeah, the it's little been laser so many gun years thing. Yeah, yeah. But he, Aslan, then decides to like bust into the witch's house and uh, jumps fully over the walls of the, her palace. While they're on his back. Yeah. Like, this is probably at least a two-story wall, if it's a decent wall at all. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, she's home. Let's jump the wall. My god. Yeah. So then we are on to chapter 16. What happened about the statues? Um, Aslan is breathing on all the statues, and everyone is becoming real again, which is lovely. Don't forget about those picnickers, though. I know. I hope he gets back to them because I need them to be okay. That one squirrel still has a fork halfway to his mouth. Go get him. I hope he gets to finish his bite. Yeah. That poor thing. I think it was a squirrel. I feel like the food now smells like Aslan's breath, though, so maybe not as appetizing. Okay. He is supposed to be godly, so maybe it's great. <laughs> maybe it's great. Maybe it's like nectar or <laughs> what is that other thing that, that like gods get to eat? Oh, I don't know. You're more versed in that kind of stuff than me. I don't, I don't remember. My brain's saying rosacea and I know that's fully wrong. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not it. <laughs> that's not it. But it has to be like a synonym of that. I hate how my brain works sometimes, but it's fine. It's all right. Nectar and something. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, hopefully it smells like that, though, so it's not as gross. 
And then everyone is hunting through the house to make sure there's no more prisoners. Uh, and they get Mr. Tumnus, which is great. They also free a giant. And this giant knocks down the gate so that everybody can get out. And he's like, stand back. And then he like swings this club. And then they take a like good minute to discuss how dumb giants are. And I'm like, can we chill? Can we? <laughs> That's relax? like a common theme in fantasy though, right? Like I feel like they're always I know. kind of stupid. At least they I'm get just, like, chill that way. Yeah. I just, I like, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves with like common high fantasy things is that like they make humans the top of the food chain at all times. I'm like, could we like not, like, could we just like appreciate that other civilizations can exist? Maybe. I mean, that I is, here I go, Harry Potter, but that is the whole point of Harry Potter is that maybe we, sh- we shouldn't be so racist. <laughs> that yeah. whole thing is a book about genocide of, you know, not being of pure blood or not being, I mean, like, yeah. think about how disrespectful they are to centaurs and house elves. And and- that's the worst part is that like, she, this but that book was so good and then she had to ruin it by being a terrible person <laughs> i'm like you were there you were one of us and then you ruined it right yeah Ugh. but that's just like my personal pet peeve with high fantasy is that like i just i wish they would just let everybody be everybody and just respect it a little bit but that's that's a whole podcast episode in itself if I get too much into that. So let's just we'll just skip on over that. <laughs> okay, back to so, back to the book. Yeah. Lucy tries to give the giant a handkerchief, but it's like absurdly small. It's basically the size of like a thin mint. And uh he's like, <laughs> Thanks, but uh this is not really gonna work out for me. <laughs> so um, anybody that's small has to be put on the back of a runner, basically. And they're going to go defeat the queen before bedtime. Adorable visual. Adorable. Yeah. We have to beat the witch before bedtime. Tell me this isn't a bedtime yeah. story. This is so cute. It really is. It's so cute. These last couple of chapters, though, like you'd have to be prepared to start reading this to your kid like an hour before bed starts. Because like to get through this... They're not going to want to, like, stop the next night, I feel like. Like, it just gets really juicy. Yeah, but so you have to, like, that's start about a- teaching your children patience. Yeah, fair. You're the one that's having kids, not me. So. <laughs> well, one day, God one willing, day, I feel like it's we'll for us. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they come up to, like, this whole battle unfolding. And at the center, Peter is facing off with the witch. So... Aslan sees this. He's like, uh, ladies, if you don't mind getting off my back, please. Um, <laughs> Step aside, girls. <laughs> yeah. And then they like get off from him and he jumps into the battle, um, flings himself onto the witch immediately. Mm-hmm. And then we are at chapter 17, the hunting of the white stag. So witch officially dead. Every pretty much everybody on her team, like most of them died, or they surrendered, or they ran for the hills. <laughs> Before bedtime. But like the hard part I have about this, yeah. <laughs> the hard part I have about this is that like some people were in their service because they felt like they didn't have another choice. And like I don't know. 
like we already forgave Edmund and Mr. Tumnus. And like later we get into like in a few notes down the thing, we get into the fact that like they hunt down everybody in her service. And I don't know. I just feel like a little weird about that. But I think it's the difference between like a single mistake versus like repeated loyalty. Yeah. I just, I feel like some people were like forced. They felt like they didn't have another choice. I don't know. Maybe this is answered like in other, maybe this is answered in other novels that or you know, other books yeah. in the series that we haven't gotten, gotten, that we haven't reached yet. I just, I just hope there's a hearing. Like if she was holding this people, like some of these people's entire family hostage that they like get a fair trial, you know? I know. Like the Nuremberg trials of Narnia. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't know what that, the Nuremberg trials are, to be honest. Oh, it's about uh, the Nazis. Oh. Okay. <laughs> a little dark. A little dark. <laughs> yeah. I, I like sometimes I forget how much Florida education failed me. Oh my <laughs> then, I'm like, then I'm like, what was that? Well, the hard part is, is I went in that ACE program. So they assumed we knew a lot more than we did. So there was like a big gap in a lot of our education because they assumed we would have heard about it. And then like nobody filled us in on anything. Well, that's like and... one of the biggest things of the argument for following orders versus yeah just making poor choices <laughs> yeah um, yeah because a lot of a lot of the people that were on trial were saying stuff like well oh, i was just following orders yeah so could get a little saucy if they went got... into it <laughs> yeah i just hope we get like some sort of clarification on that front because I think about um, in Alice in Wonderland, the dog that's in service to the Red Queen, the only reason he is is because, like, she has all of his ki- kids, like, all, like, six of them. And that, like, if he doesn't follow orders, she'll kill them. Uh. And, yeah, I just think about that sometimes, you know? Yeah. I read that book and I don't remember so, that, but... It's in the... It, I remember it from the movie more than I remember it from the book. Oh, so maybe honest, it was just I, it could have been in the book too. I don't remember. I just remember like from the movie, the grown up one. Um, he's like this big bloodhound. It's really cute. Mm. So I don't know. It's in the um, the one with Johnny Depp in it. Oh, the Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton. Okay. So, anyways, during this battle, Edmund destroys the witch's wand. And almost dies, but Lucy heals him with her potion. So glad her potion got to come into it. Never uses her dagger, but it's fine. She could have used her dagger to cut off the lion's chains. I'm just realizing that because they were like not actual chains. I'm pretty sure it was just like rope. Yeah, but the mice were in there in like two seconds anyway. So yeah, well, they like tried it first, but then she doesn't. Well, they they take the muscle off, but not the rope. And then the mice yeah. come. Okay. So maybe they just didn't, I don't know. To be fair, this is a tra- another another traumatic event that happens to them. And they probably yeah, aren't thinking straight, so. So Lucy goes around and heals a bunch of people after, like, she tells 
she says to Aslan that she wants to stay there and make sure Edmund's okay. Aslan gets and uh, nice like, Edmund too. Yeah, but before he does that, he says this whole thing where he's like, do we need more people to die on your brother's account? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. I know, because she was like, is Edmund okay? Like, yeah. move it, sister. Go. <laughs> Go heal, kids. Come on, get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lucy says he even looks better um, and that he... Apparently, the whole reason he turned terrible is because he went to this different school and he started, like, hanging out with the bad crowds. So she's like, he looks like he, before he did when he went there. So, that's good. Yep, always good. <laughs> yeah. So, the next day, Aslan decides to crown all of the rulers. Um, and they go to this, they have a giant party. And then they notice during the party that Aslan leaves. And Mr. Beaver says that he comes and goes a lot. Um, because he doesn't like to stay tied down because he's a wild lion. He has other countries to attend to. Yeah. So this is the note where we get that they hunt down all the creatures and species that worked with the witch. And I'm like, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'm curious to see if they go into that more in the other books because yeah, it's definitely kind of so. weird. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I do think that we just kind of skip over that part and we're just, maybe we're killing people that maybe shouldn't, Cause like, I don't know. They're just like assuming all of the species are evil and I'm like, uh, maybe we don't do that. Let's assume that they've been put on trial. And I'm going to, uh, let's hope. I'm going to hope. <laughs> and then they also make this whole note about liberating young dwarfs and young sailors from being sent to school. And I'm like, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, what I know in the in the first episode I was like, shouldn't they be in school? I first yeah. of all, I do think it's great for kids to play outside. I should amend that, but <laughs> the second part it's fine. now we're just making sure that nobody goes to school. I know. Excuse? I'm like, why do we not want an educated country? Like, what? <laughs> it's, what are we doing? It's a children's book. We're playing into, yeah, the, it's fine. into the interests of children. But man, that was funny to me. Yeah. I'm like, I hope they take that back in a couple of years when they grow up, you know? Like, this is why we shouldn't have, like, children rulers, but whatever. But by this point, they're, like, almost grown. Well, at the point where they made that decree... It would have been like beginning of rule, and now they're grown later on. Right. Because, like, now we're at the point that they're adults. They start, all the, both of the girls are getting like marriage offers from like other countries. Yep. And then they talk like kings and queens, and this part I could have done. Yeah. About. Honestly, it, the only part of the book where I was like, I don't agree with that decision. <laughs> Like, I don't mind the fact that they're grown up, but, like, don't make them talk like that. It's kind of dumb. It's probably just to prove that they have aged, but... I feel like it's supposed know. to be, like, a simplified version for kids that, oh, they talk like adults now kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, I was kind of like, okay, get to the point. What are you talking about? Because everything's yeah. so straightforward at that point, or prior to that point, yeah. that I'm like, what? why are we talking like this? I don't know. But then they have this white stag appear um, who will give you wishes if you catch him. So cute. So, what is the white stag? Yeah. What is the symbolism of the white stag? Let's look. I don't know. I also think, like, I feel like I've seen that in a couple different, like, 
folklore-esque things. Let's see. Um, in general, it looks like mm-hmm. it is about renewed spirit of adventure. Okay. Um, in Celtic traditions, white stags represent messengers from the afterlife. Oh. Um, it's, oh, here's something. There's a theory that the stag was really Aslan in disguise, guiding them back to their world. Oh, I kind of like that. That's cute. Interesting. So kind of like an angel situation. Yeah, not mad. That's cute. Glad I looked that up. I didn't really catch that. I just kind of thought, interesting. Why are we why are we granting wishes? Is this a genie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um then they find the lantern and they kind of like have forgotten that there was a before Narnia, which is interesting to me cuz like you know, cute full circle like moment. Cute full circle moment. Yeah. And Mr. Old Mr. Tumnus, now that mm-hmm. he's old, telling him about the stag, I thought that was a good full circle moment, but also sad. It made me yeah. kind of sad. Yeah. A little sad. And then, um. They don't even recognize the lamppost like, either. No, they don't. And like, everybody's like, we should figure out what it is. And then Susan's like, let's go back home. Like, she does not want to go. She does not want to figure it out. Freaking Susan. Um, oh, my gosh. You just had a literally. wonderful, beautiful life in Narnia. And the whole time you talked about going home. Yeah. And then you didn't literally. even recognize the lamppost. No. Also, I have to know, did they ever find the fur coats? No. Because we get that noted at the end. And is it offensive to wear a fur coat? When you're friends with, like, beavers I- and things. I would think so, personally. I don't know. Those are some questions I'd like to answer. Yeah. Um, And then when they go through the wardrobe again, though, they all tumble out and no time has passed at all. And, like, I don't know about you, but that to me is, like, particularly haunting. Yeah, that freaks me out. It's only been, well, I think that some time has passed because then it's the professor that comes and finds them when they were hiding from... Miss McCready, I Mm-mm. thought. Weren't they hiding from Miss McCready? No. They make a note that no time has passed at all, that she just happens no. to skip over the room. Then they seek out the professor. Oh, and then it's yeah. kind of a cute ending where he's like, what happened? Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, Narnia will find you again. It always remembers the king and queen. And I'm like, who, who are you? He's the magician's nephew. Yeah. Well, we'll find out about him whenever we get to that. I'm part. reading in publication order, and I can't remember when that one comes out. Let me tell yeah. you. That would be the we'll sixth of seven. Six of seven. Okay. But technically, it's like the prequel to this book. Yeah. So if you were to read them in the chronological order, you would read Magician's Nephew first. But I'm reading mm-hmm. in publication order, which... I have read is the best way to read them the first time, but then if you read them again, to read them in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, interesting. We'll have to discuss that. I know. We have a lot of things to talk about for the movie. We had a lot to talk about this time. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a good time. It was Me fun. Too. It was a fun change of pace. 
Yeah, did you like this book overall? What do you give it out of... Do you rate your books at the end? I usually don't, but to me, for a kid's book that's still being enjoyable about as an adult, I'm going to give it like an 8 out of 10, you know? Fair. I think it's yeah. it's nice, sweet. I think as a children's book goes, I'm going to give it like an 8 or 9 to 10. Yeah, maybe like a 9 out of 10. Yeah. I'm. I, it depends on the level of reading or like, I guess I should say the age of your kids that you're reading this to. Yeah. But so cute. I enjoyed it. I did not expect to enjoy it so much. To be honest. Yeah, I had a good time. I did not think I was going to find it as easy to read as it is. Yeah, this was very surprising to me. I had no idea that they were so short until you had asked me to do this. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. And like for a modern reader, there's only like a couple of hiccups I noticed, you know. Yeah, I think don't age well. It's aged decently well for how old it yeah, for how old it is. This is what, like a seventy three year old book? Wait. Yes. Yes. Wow, that's a like I think a lot of things have aged worse. So Definitely. Um, it's cute. I like it. I'm excited to talk about the movie with you. Yeah. And then if you want to hear me, Nova, and maybe Allison, we'll see, we'll see. on talk about the rest of the series, make sure to follow Novel Nostalgia um, wherever you get your pods, and you will see us discuss this entire series at some point. I'm very excited. Probably in the winter. Yeah. But we will catch you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.